The Alan Watts iPhone app is now available on the iTunes App Store, featuring the entire Alan Watts podcast series at your fingertips. Visit alanwattsapp.com for more information. Tonight, at any rate, we've got to go through some theoretical material, so we're on a head trip. I don't know where the trip will end up. It depends on you. But in order to lay the foundation for this, we've got to examine ideas that are basic to our common sense. Ideas are very powerful. It's not only emotions that are powerful in human life. Psychoanalysis has, of course, examined the emotional bases of human opinions and beliefs, but one should also examine the intellectual bases of psychological principles or theories or therapies because everybody who speaks a language at all has underneath the surface of the language or the figuring that he uses certain basic assumptions which are usually unexamined. And these unexamined systems of belief are extremely powerful in their influence over our lives. we'll begin with one very common idea that's built into our common sense, which is that the world, the physical world, consists of two aspects, respectively form and matter. This was foisted on us by Aristotle and also by the Bible because it is said that God created man out of the dust of the earth and as it were made a figurine in his own image and then breathed the breath of life into its nostrils so that this form of clay became a living being. And so underneath that lies the notion that everything material is made of some sort of basic stuff like clay is the basis of pots. And for centuries, scientists, philosophers, wanted to know what is that stuff? What are we made of? Now look here. A carpenter makes tables out of wood. And a potter makes pots out of clay. But I ask you, is a tree made of wood? Obviously not. A tree is wood. It's not made of it. Is a mountain made of rock? Obviously not. It is rock. See, our language contains innumerable ghosts. Supposing I say, the lightning flashes. Surely the flashing is the same as the lightning. There is not one thing called lightning and another called flashing. The lightning is the flashing. It is raining. What is this it that is raining? The raining. 
I can make a noun out of a verb any time by turning it into a gerund. So we populate the world with ghosts, which arise out of the structure of our language, and thus, therefore, of the structure of our thinking, because we think in language or in figuring in numbers. And so, it's an intensely fascinating investigation to find out what are the hidden assumptions that underlie language and figuring. In other words, language and mathematics. And here is this basic assumption, you see, that is almost with us all. It comes again and again into our everyday speech, that form, pattern, Organization, organisms, are made of something. As if there were some inert, primordial, and of course stupid stuff, which had to be put into shape by an energy and an intelligence other than the stuff. Like the intelligence of the potter shapes the clay. So therefore, we have a basic picture of the world in which everything is being pushed around. There's a boss. There's somebody in charge who is different from what that somebody is in charge of and puts everything into shape. Because our common sense does not allow that things shape themselves. Very odd. In Chinese, the word for nature is ziran, which is that which is so of itself, the spontaneous. The Chinese had no difficulty in thinking about nature as self-shaping. A Chinese child would not ask its mother, how was I made? It would ask its mother, how did I grow? Which would be quite different, you see. So to be made is to be commanded, and therefore every good being obeys, whether you obey God, or whether you obey the laws of nature, you obey. And the an analog, therefore, of the world that has been put into our common sense is one of military command. Note that. Because the image of God, I would go further and say the idolatrous image of God, which has been handed down to us, is one of the beneficent parent, the boss. Big Papa. So then, when our physicists started to find out what stuff was, they went into it and into it and examined it with ever more minute instruments. They first started cutting up things with knives and cutting them smaller and smaller and smaller until the particle that they wanted to dissect was exactly the same width as the edge of the knife. And so they got an atom. And that word in Greek, atomos, means the non-cuttable. A non-tomos cuttable. That's the basic atom. What you can't cut anymore, because you've got down to the end. Well, they weren't satisfied with that. 
So they got an atomos, in other words, a particle of something or other that was just the same width as the blade of the, the, ed, the knife edge, and they looked at it under a microscope. And they saw that it was, seemed to be composed of more small particles. So they found out means of working those out, and then they found out extraordinary means of uh, investigating the properties of matter. Then they reached a point where they couldn't decide whether it was particles or whether it was waves. So they called them wavicles. They thought they had come to certain ultimate wavicles called electrons. But then, unfortunately, everything fall, fell apart and they found protons, mesons, and many other uh, extraordinary things. Because, of course, what they didn't realize was that as you make more and more powerful microscopic instruments, the universe has to get smaller and smaller in order to escape the investigation. Just as when the telescopes become more and more powerful, the galaxies have to recede in order to get away from the telescopes. Because what is happening in all these investigations is through us and through our eyes and senses, the universe is looking at itself. And when you try to turn around to see your own head, what happens? See? It runs away. You never get at it. You can't bite your own teeth. You can't touch the tip of this finger with the tip of this finger. This is the principle. Shankara explains it beautifully in his commentary on the Kena Upanishad, where he says that that which is the knower, the ground of all knowledge, is never itself an object of knowledge, just as fire doesn't burn itself. So, there's always that profound mystery that you are never going to be in absolute control of what goes on, because if you were, it would be like making love to a plastic woman. And who wants that? There always is the mystery. Uh-uh. The thing we don't know, as Vandalieu put it, the mystery of life is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. If there were not that, you see, there would be no life. The reason why certain people turn to philosophy, why I became a philosopher, was that since I was a little boy, I always felt that existence as such was weird. I mean, here we are. Isn't that odd? Of course it's odd. What do you, what do you mean by odd? Well, that's what's different from even. I mean, what's odd stands out. What's even lies flat. But you can't see the outstanding without the flat background. Here's the thing standing out. It's odd. Each one of you is odd. 
strange, unique, particular, different. How do we know what we mean by that? Except against the background of something even, that is not differentiated, like space. And so, you get this philosophical itch. You begin to scratch your head and think about why is that so? Well, after a while, you realize that's a meaningless question. Then you ask, how is it so? Well, that leads you into science and other investigations. So, you want to know, what is it? I mean, this, this happening, this thing called existence. What is it? You ask that question long enough and it suddenly hits you that if you could answer it, you wouldn't know what terms to put the answer in. I mean, when we investigate the properties of nature, and we do get some answers, all the answers are in terms of particular structures, forms, patterns. And these can be measured, and their behavior can be predicted. But when I want to ask the question, what are the forms made of? I mean, what is it really? We can't think of any way in which we could answer the question. Because we would have to have a class of all classes. When you ask the question, what? It's like saying, is you is or is you ain't? Is you animal? Is you vegetable? Is you mineral? Are you a Republican or a Democrat? Are you male or female? Are you a Christian or a Jew or a Hindu or what have you? We classify always to give an answer to the question, what is it? And when you classify, you distinguish an inside group from an outside group. Right. So what we want to know is what is the group of all groups? Well, we can't imagine what the outside would be. So we can't answer the question. What is it? Listening to Alan Watts from the Spoken Word Library of the Electronic University. For copies of this and other Alan Watts programs, please go to alanwatts.com on the World Wide Web or call us toll free at 1 800 W O Watts. That's A L A N W A T T S dot com or 1 800 W O W A T T S. The Watts website features free audio downloads, program lists, and information on Watts' life and works. Once again, that's alanwatts.com or 1-800-W-O-Watts.